Welcome to Deconversion Therapy. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Karen. And this is our first episode, which I'm a little nervous about. Bonnie and I grew up together. So uh, we grew up in the evangelical church. And so you contacted me, I guess it was a year ago. Not that we don't talk all the time anyway, but and said, we need to start a podcast about this. So what did you mean? Yeah, at some point, we just started talking about some of the ridiculous stories that we both had. That And you didn't know all of mine, and I didn't know all of yours. And we just kept going, what? Oh my gosh, that's just, that's insane. And um, that's kind of hyperbole, but... I think that anybody who didn't grow up in the evangelical church doesn't realize some of the the day-to-day nonsense that you deal with. So did I ever tell you that I found out we grew up in this huge church, huge Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, and that makes a difference because (laughs) that denomination means no drinking, no dancing. Anyway, in in the back of the sanctuary, there was this closet that had a phone in it because it was before cell phones, and um, people could go in there if they had if they got beeped, you know, the beepers oh, on yeah. the hips. If like they had a, like an emergency beep, they could go back into that phone thing and call. And because my dad was a medical professional, sometimes he'd get the beep and look down real serious, and then you know, skitter away. Mm-hmm. I found out that more than once opened that door during the sermon and there were people having sex in there. That what? What do I you know. mean you found out? <laughs> Was it in the church bulletin? Oh, I found out. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. It means that I have it on good authority by someone who opened the door and encountered some people and I don't think he knew who they were or else (laughs) he would have maybe told me like and so and so or at least they were married or you know this deacon was with this youth group person and he didn't say that but if you think about it that's the ultimate risk like we're gonna go in the box the room that closes and and have the sex yep during the sermon. Well, have no sex. Well, you're the one that told me people are having sex all over the place. And that's hilarious. Like in the baptismal and in the choir room. And I'm like, I was oblivious later when people have told me, yeah, you know, I was drunk the whole time we were in youth group together. This is all stuff that they told us later, by the way, when we were well into our forties, um, I, we had a chapel that was outside and um, we had an, we, on the left and the right of the pulpit, there was a little swimming pool kind of thing. And uh, that's where they would do the baptism. I, oh, I was going to say, I don't think it was to yeah, the, to the, to the lay person. Yeah. It was, a, why is there a swimming pool next to the pulpit on the left and the right? And, um, and that's what people did in there when they, when church service wasn't in session. And I never got to do that. I didn't think anybody would actually do that. But God, what fun that would have been. 
seeing that I got baptized in there when I was, I think I was nine. I keep saying seven, but I, I just can't picture that it wasn't nine years old. And I got baptized. Um, I mean, I always knew I was going to be a Christian because three days a week, that's where we went and, you know, sang songs about um, Jesus. So I knew it was eventually going to happen. And I got baptized in that outside baptismal thing because we had a revival one summer and to us in the Baptist church, like when people think of revivals, they think of, um, what's that show? Singing. Oh yeah. No, no clapping in our church. Um, there was clapping. Was there? (laughs) The music. I don't know. Maybe there was, um, it was controlled white clapping. Yeah. Um, what's the TV show with Matthew McConaughey? That was really good. He was in a TV show? True Detective. Oh, okay. So that's really good if you haven't seen it. Um, But No, wait, let me take that note down. Yes, Um, write it down. The revivals. Seven or nine. Well, I'll get back to revivals, but I'm going to interrupt you. So you're capable of making that decision at the age of seven or nine. You're not allowed to choose a, a party or vote, but you're allowed to make that decision. All yes. of a sudden that occurs to me is like, wait a minute, that goes along well, with what, you know, parents want us right. to do. Anyway, I mean, I felt so- it. Yeah. I mean, I've felt it and believed it sincerely, but. Well, as sincere as a nine-year-old could be. That's right. Um, and, a, and sincere as a nine-year-old's personality would be. So mine was, you know, earnest, sincere, another nine-year-old was eating glue, which, you know, I can call out his name because you and I went to elementary school with him. Another (laughs) nine-year-old, like everyone had their personalities and I happened to fall in the one that was all, I'm taking this for face value. I am ready to take the plunge. And the revivals at our church were not like the ones on True Detective where it was a tent and you know, lots of praying and stuff like that. Ours were very planned. Hey, we're, you know, going to have this guy come in from Every New night. York. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to talk to us and we're going to do special music and invite all your friends. So it was, yeah, very controlled environment. Um, yeah, but yeah, very got... jam-packed with things to go to. Exactly. So I got saved during one of those and baptized in what I now, I guess, I'm going to refer to as the um, sex fluid baptismal Oh, out there, don't, outside under don't, the stars. Don't, don't. I just said they went swimming in it. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, I don't know what else they were doing. I'm sure that's what they were doing. But um, so, yeah. So, all right. You touched on it lightly. We went to church. Sunday morning for Sunday school, and then we went to church services. And then when we were old enough, we split off from our parents and went to lunch with our friends after that. And then if we did something in the afternoon, that was great. But then we would come back and go to choir rehearsal at church and then go to early dinner with our friends. And then we'd go back to church service on Sunday night 
And then you'd probably go out again with your friends after. So all of Sunday was church. And then there was Wednesday. So Wednesday was youth group and then Mm -hmm. eating tiny slices of pizza and paying a dollar for it. And, um, (laughs) and then there was another church service Wednesday night. So, but you forgot to include that Bonnie and I also went to the day school that was attached to the church. So yeah, that's right. That means Wednesday, we're already there. We, um, do you remember, oh, you left um, to go to the other public school where all the devil worshipers, I was told, attend. Yeah, your brother and went I there. Still, <laughs> I told you. But we went and did that. And then all we had to do on Wednesday is walk over to the church part, which was, you know, not far at all. But there were a few hours there where we could get into trouble, <laughs> but we didn't. Like, we just were like, hey, let's play on the playground. Let's, you right. know, pretend we're Charlie's Angels, which we did a lot. That's right. And then... You were nine yeah, when that was tell. happening, by the way, too. So a lot, of your, a lot of your memories come from being nine, I suppose. I guess so, so. then, um, should I ask you about how you ended up not being so involved in church? I'll allow it. Okay. So talk about... Okay, so then, wait, we should also touch on the fact that that happened all through high school, too, the the events. And then in high, in college, we went to a Baptist university also. <laughs> that so. was also connected <laughs> right, right there. It sounds, I mean, when you we talk about it to other people, it sounds like a compound. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, there's no way to make it sound normal, which it really was. It was very mainstream and... Maybe a lot of people don't know that this is how a lot of churches are in their towns that they're living in right now. Where Listen, there was a lot of have, good that came yeah. of that, too, because yeah. you, you learned a good, you, you got a good moral compass from all of that. I mean, yes, it was extreme, but I think, you know, anybody with a, a logical mind could figure out that this was a good way to be when you grow up. Yeah. Um, and I just mean the whole do unto others philosophy, but it was also really nice, at least when we were in high school, after church, if you went and did something, it was with other kids whose parents knew the parents, and you knew where your kids right. were, and everybody just kind of kept an eye on the other kids. Yeah, so very it true. Was, it was nice. It was, it was it kind was, of along and- the it takes a village mentality. And I don't even know what it's like these days, because I mean, those were the days when you could ride your bicycle up and down the street, you know, sort of that safer time and land anyway. But I think, yeah, that I'm sure kids these days are, they still get to experience sort of that safety net of being in a church group. It's, but we had some craziness. Yeah, it's probably really super, um, I think there's probably a lot more observation going on now from the parents, though. Yeah. Because I can True. tell you, if I wanted to touch a penis over at someone's house, it it could happen. Hmm. You know, the parents weren't around watching everything we did. <laughs> and was that at nine? <laughs> that, that was also at nine years old. Um, but but they were they were not watching closely. They were there in yeah. case we and, set fire to something yeah. or. Um, 
but I remember kids came over to my house and I didn't realize this until maybe 10 years ago, but, oh, they would go under the cabinet and drink my mom's vodka. And this was, <laughs> that was high, high school, school college, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know yeah, that right? either. After we are off the air, you can reveal. <laughs> Who? I want to know the names and the announces. Well, I can tell you the names. Um, um, anyway, so mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm sorry, I digress. So tell us how you ended up not being so involved in an organized religion. Let's see. I became a missionary. At what age? That was after okay. college. Nine. <laughs> God, I told you. Um, <laughs> so I went to the Baptist college. And then after that, I knew I wanted to be a missionary because I was really good at being a Christian. <laughs> And I felt it earnestly. And so, like, that is the top of the heap. Like, that's the furthest you can go. And I was doing it. And so I became an overseas missionary. And it was a few years after that when I was in northern Thailand being a missionary when, yeah, all those things I heard growing up, like... um, Like what? That... People didn't have true joy if they didn't have Jesus, that there was Mm -hmm. um, darkness in people uh, who didn't know Christ, that um, I think those were the main ones, Uh, but just these different small little things I'd always related, and I'm like, oh, once I get there and I tell those people, they're going to be so thrilled, and then I get there, people are so much more joyous than Americans because they have less shit in their houses and less to put up with. They're happy Mm -hmm. and they're whole. And just so those small things started entering my mind. And then Mm -hmm. when they laughed at me once, because I said that most Americans believe you only have one life. And they laughed their heads off very sweetly because they're very sweet. Um, and they, they also in, in hind, in, in like retro in hindsight, whatever you want to call it, they probably laughed their heads off because you were 22 or 21 and they had never heard of the concept like, because mm-hmm. they always grew up in their own bubble of believing right. there were multiple lives. In fact, in Thailand, we would freak out because at the newsstands, they'd have magazines or different um, pamphlets of dead people, like real dead people. And they would <laughs> laugh at it and be like, oh, you know, look at these guts smeared on the road. It'd be wait, like wait, a wait. When you say accident. pamphlets, who are the pamphlets from? It would Christians? just, no, no. It would just be like their daily newspapers would have. Mm-hmm real dead bodies of people who have been in car accidents and smeared on the road because Mm -hmm. they don't see that as an end of everything. Right. And so they just, you know, took it as they were always taught. And so it hit me that these people are in a bubble and I'm in a bubble and Mm -hmm. I'm letting this seed start to um, 
grow or set or go in the soil or whatever people who know horticulture, whatever those words are. You mean like um, the seed of doubt entered your mind of that well, if, if we're in the same position, why is my religion correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, it took me a long time. It took me about 10 years to finally all the way deconvert though. Yep. And when you say when you say ten years, you mean from starting being a missionary? From starting with yeah, with that seed of doubt. Yep. Okay. I know. And those exciting parts of the story can be laced throughout this podcast. Really late. Hopefully, with some other people's. Um, we're hoping people will write in and give us their five-minute hilarious quirky stories of growing up in church because we have a million of them yeah and Um, they don't have to be stories about why I left the church it can just be you can be you can be full-on still going to church but just tell us something funny that happened that's specific to the organized religion and um yeah yeah, like I'm tell us about when you were having sex in the closet stop. at the church. <laughs> oh my God, stop it. Um, it's going to happen. Well, I so was talking. Well, I would, let me just tell you, I was, for instance, yeah. I was talking to a friend and I'm like, please just write this up for us because she said, oh, well, I grew up Catholic and we used to try to invent sins so that we could say something in confession. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's a whole different religion. What were you going to say? I was just going to ask. So, yeah, when you came up with the concept for the whole podcast, like what was, and I know we've talked about it and it's changed a little bit because we've been compromising and figuring things out. Why did you want to start one? Like what were you hoping would be accomplished? Um, first of all, mostly because I think it's really amusing to hear what what we grew up with. And to hear what other people grew up with. Now that you and I have started thinking about this, it's one of those things where when we go to parties or when I'm in an event, I'm like, hey, um, so did you grow up in a church? And then I have a place to say, you know, how how much did you get into it? Are you still into it now? And, um, uh, and then that just, it's a great conversation starter. And it's something I'm really interested in. I, I just hope to be honestly just entertained and find some community from people who went through the same thing because when you're when you're in it and um and a teenager and all these ridiculous things I keep saying the word ridiculous but when when things are said to you and and actions happen you take them really seriously because oh, yeah. of your age and in hindsight it's like, what? But it, it takes a while to get over that. I think it takes a certain age. But but once you find somebody else is out there who had the same things happen, you start going, oh, this wasn't just me. And that's kind of a nice uh, community feeling, I think. Yeah, because it's definitely one thing that I miss. And I, I miss a few things. But not being in church now is the lack of community. Yeah. You know, there's, I don't go to something once a week where people are like, I love you, whether they, you know, do or not. But, and, you know, that, that's something that lacks. But with, I mean, we are seeing it everywhere. How many people are leaving the church? Young people 
are leaving the church and I'll tell you about what happened the other night. I haven't told you yet, but uh, a lot of it, people leaving the church, I think has to do with the advent of the internet because now when you have a doubt or you're reading the Bible and going, why is that contradicting? Mm -hmm. You can Google it and go, oh shit. Well, that's because... Paul never met Jesus, you know, uh, all these things I never really thought about or knew. Right. You can can find your answers and there's so much less of a hold that the leaders have on the, the flock. Yeah. You know, I took what our youth leader said as literally the word of God because, oh, well he knows. And who, where am I going to go to question this? You know? The Christian bookstore exactly. in the mall? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you do, you can get a cute Bible cover that looks like a quilt and a cross necklace made out of a nail. Oh, oh that's so, nice. Oh, you can get also those things that go on each of the first page of the various chapters of the Bible um, so that you can find your yeah, tabs. tabs. So you can glue yeah, those on yeah. and then you could find each chapter of the Bible fast. And then you would win at sword right, drills. Right. Which, which are. Yep. Say what yeah. they are. They're the Christian version of bingo. It's where like your youth minister or teacher says Ezekiel five, nine, and everyone tries to get to it first. And then you raise your hand, whoever gets to it first. Yep. I'm saying that, and I am feeling Was there a fifth chapter of Ezekiel? You don't know. <laughs> you I'm don't know. look into it. I know, because no one reads Ezekiel. That's the thing. When they get to, like, Micah and all the ones that Habakkuk. you forgot were in there. Yep. Yep. Then, then that's where that's where the cream of the crop show up, and that's where I'd come up from behind and be like, <laughs> yep, found <Excuse> it. Me. <laughs> let me show you what i've been doing while i sit at home on saturday night those tabs were aftermarket and then you got into a different level of purchasing bibles that had the cutouts with the little chapter marks oh yeah yeah yeah. that's right yep that was that was a nice way of separating you know by your um (laughs) your parents income level you had an aftermarket Bible chapter. That's right. You'd look at each other's Bibles. And I mean, if someone came to church and they had uh, King James, you're like, oh, God. Or even. He just just got saved. You know, he is not. Or wait a minute. If they had to use the Bible from the pew. (laughs) From the, from the Bible in front of them. Where we would have ours all you know, tricked out, highlighters yep. and all that. I, yeah. Another thing we're wanting to do with the podcast is sort of have a story that people who grew up in the evangelical church would know about, and it's something from you know whether we've read it in the news or a funny story we remember. We're gonna talk about that for yep. a bit. You and I read a. A book about at the same time. Why don't you say a little bit well, about it? All right. So it's called Pure Inside the Evangelical Movement that Shamed a Generation of Young Women and How I Broke Free. 
The author is Linda K. Klein. Um, this was just published in September of 2018. Um, she talks about mm-hmm. growing up in the evangelical church during the purity movement. And this was, I, I guess that was just sort of a given when we were growing up, um, you know, because that we would be pure because this is what the youth group minister talked about the most with us. But the purity movement turned it into what it could be turned into with everything coming from China and the whole marketing push that the world has come to in the last, you know, 30 years. And I understand that there were purity rings that you could get to wear that indicated you were pledging to be pure until marriage. Yes. The Jonas brothers wore those. Okay. Yep. Um, I understand from our conversation with, with Karen, we were talking about uh, purity balls, which are not (laughs) objects like rings, but it makes me giggle as though they were. And then I Googled purity balls and, um, so it's a dance or no, it's not a dance. No, no. Right. It's um, yeah. You just, stand. it's like a gala. It's a stand. <laughs> it's a gala, but you go with your father and pledge to him that you're going to be pure until your wedding night. But um, to me, the best part, putting myself in like the mind of a 16 or 17 year old, they get to wear these super pretty white gowns. But, and that's kind uh, of like, but if you think about it from a 16 year old's point okay. of view, you're like, Oh, okay, maybe I'm not so into purity, but I really want to wear a cool white dress well, and be with my, yeah. my friends and do all the BS that comes with pretty much, you know, like it's like a baby wedding. Because <laughs> that made me vomit. But that's because we grew up in the era of Gunny Sacks and Laura Ashley, where they had those white dresses that we all wanted. And... Uh, they were very gauzy. Just but. Google it. Anyone can Google it. And if you take those pictures out of context, that is just the creepiest shit ever. And and uh, where they're leaning against their fathers and they're like 14 and in a white dress. And you think, is this, you know, the, the front landing page of a porn creepy site? Because... <laughs> If you don't know what it is, it's but insane. I'm, well, and I'm thinking of it, though, from the point of view of the kid. It, you know everything's gotten crazier these days as far as how far people go for events. You know, like, there are teenagers out there getting acrylic fingernails. And, yeah, true. Right. And limos to prom is mandatory now, whereas back in the day it was, uh, you know, just figure out how to get there. Um, but but their hairstyles are all beautiful. So, you know, they went to the hair person that day and had a, a an updo or what have you. Mm. Um, the dress was a big thing. You just know that this was a huge thing to plan. But I saw some pictures of... Uh, I'm going to Google, Google it now. Oh, God. <laughs> but... So you also now, I guess, have to be like, okay, mom, you take me to get the dress, but make sure, you know, that they're flat padded shoulders, because I also have to carry this big ass cross down an aisle. That's right. That's right. 
all the girls in some of these pictures are carrying this big wooden cross. But their dresses are so pretty. <laughs> it's like this oh, white tulle uh, mm. skirt, very Carrie Bradshaw, but not yeah. with her crotch exposed. Right. Um, and yeah, so I guess, well, you were also saying, what if, um, what if your dad didn't live with you? Oh, yeah, like me. What, where, what do you do? Either you don't go because you're embarrassed. Right. Or you have to have. Nope. I like bet on, the youth minister would escort you. I bet they like. I bet they would get yeah some volunteers, and it would be like um like a deacon, whatever or... that show is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some show with Bonnie. What's her name in it? Not you. A show. And anything. The the mother was single, and anytime oh, Gilmore the kid Girls? had to do something. No, they they used the handyman as a step-in father. One day at a time? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a modern reference. I don't know that one. I'm younger than that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, that's right. Maybe they were like, okay, I guess you have to go with the handyman from... <laughs> go the with Schneider. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> No, we'll spring for the tux. Don't you worry. Yeah, um, I mean, think of the mark. Think of uh, you know, all the men who went. They they're all wearing tuxedos in these pictures that I'm seeing. I know, and I mean, it's sweet and all, but you know, you leave that ball or the ceremony or whatever you know your church picks to do, and. I would just think that there's this awkward, because they all look a little prepubescent. So then they're hitting high school. Then guys are coming around. Then, you know, they're going out on dates. And I'm just wondering how that dynamic works. If the dad just looks at the daughter before she goes out and it's like, you got your ring on, you know, or something that just, that's a lot of shame. I think it is when you're older and you didn't process it right. But I mean, I kind of. You just want the dress. No. I will get you. <laughs> We're going to start a GoFundMe for a white tulle dress for Bonnie to wear around as an we'll adult. Talk, okay, so they also had purity just... themed journals and um, uh, it wasn't underwear, was it? No. IUDs. Oh. <laughs> I all, oh, stab. Oh, stab. Um, so talk about more about the book. So the book was awesome. And although it is written about people that are possibly younger than you and I, uh, we definitely had all that preached to us. Every youth group was always about chastity and abstinence and all that. Um, but I picked it for a book group in my town mm. that I'm a part of. And the people that showed <laughs> up, it was interesting. So we had some atheists. We had some people who grew, grew up Catholic. Um, and then there were three of us who grew up mm. evangelical. And I, you know, I didn't really know them. But one of the women was like this book profoundly impacted me because it made me piece together some things that have 
I've felt in my life or the different shame or um, messages that replay in my head because I grew up under this like anti-sex regime (laughs) that you don't just walk down the aisle and then it poofs and disappears. Right. Um, You know, we're programmed in this and it was fascinating because I asked, you know, one of the first things was, can you read this book that had like real case studies of women that were fucked Mm -hmm. up because of this type of stuff? Can you read this book and not be mad at church or evangelical Christianity? That's that's a good point. Once you walk down the aisle, poof, it does not go away. Because it's programmed, programmed, programmed. Like, don't, 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 don't. Yeah. Yeah. How do you all of a sudden one day go, you know, it's not like, oh, we graduated. Right. Right. Go crazy. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm sure that people who've studied all the stuff of, you know, how you build a habit, how you break a habit, you know, mental habits, how much longer it would take you to just be like, oh, yes, that's right. I am not going to feel shame anymore. I mean, I felt shame growing up when they said Jesus was everywhere and I took a shower. Every once in a while it would (laughs) pop into my head when I was like (laughs) just starting to get my tiny bee sting boobies, which never got beyond bee stings. I would be like, oh, gosh, I am so uncomfortable, you know. So, but these women that showed up for this book club, because it can be random women, it's not like a book club that Mm -hmm. it's the same people. Um, It was fascinating because there were people who had never been a Christian and they were like, what the hell? Like, why did you all believe this? Um, how did you have the hubris to believe that your way was the right way? And it was almost Mm -hmm. like a good opportunity to say, no, you know, it's never our way is the right way. It was always our way is the way. And we really want you to enjoy that quote, freedom of Christ or, afterlife or all that like it's a sincere thing it's not right yeah and seeing it from this age don't you also think sometimes well oh okay well uh this is why people are fans of professional sports teams because their parents are they grew up in a household watching the eagles and so they're eagles fans yeah you're like what you didn't even go to Eagles University. How can you Eagles be such a diehard fan of a place, you know, of a professional yeah. sports team? But uh, so, I, I mean, I think a lot of it is driven by the parents. Um, I did want to mention something that I think is funny when we're talking about the walking down the aisle and poof. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the girl in our dorm who was dating this guy and we were probably fresh. Yeah, we were freshmen and she, and they were so, they were so all over each other all the time as much as they could be at a Baptist university. And so uh, they, they 
they were they were engaged and they were gonna get married oh, pronto yeah. and they wanted to do it fast oh, yeah. and you know it was just because she was holding out until marriage because and we knew this because we found out before the wedding that they had already gone ahead and uh-huh. snuck off uh-huh. and and got married so the wedding was just a uh, you know a formality yes and not just that we found out we were like, hey, he's going to ask to marry her by taking her out to dinner, driving her by the dorm, and we're all going to hold out these huge placards on the side of the oh dorm that says, will you marry right. me? And I'm That's like right. all into it, and I do it, and we're so excited. And then, yeah, by the time the wedding came around, they had to find the pastor and tell him we're already married. And I think they might've gotten a few rejections, but the person that ended up marrying them, I always thought less of, because I was sort of like, he knew that they were already married and that this was a show for the parents. For the parents. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're divorced. FYI. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I that, loved your delivery of that. that. Really? Quickly. Really? Yeah, I know. And that's... Imagine. You and I were talking about that, about how you would always say, because so many of the people who went to the Southern Baptist College with us got engaged. And you would be like, ah, oh, you know, they should just have sex. As in, you know, that's exactly what held them together is that sexual tension. If they oh. were holding out, um, like, oh, we just got to get married. And But you know what? I actually knew of another couple who were secretly married at that church, at that um, school. So we what? knew two. I didn't know we knew two, but that's great. If I'll I knew find two, out later who they were. Yeah, who knows how many others, you know. <laughs> Were they two guys? Yes. No. (laughs) No. But that's, you know, we have, uh, now that we've gotten in touch with a lot of our old friends, thanks to Facebook, that, yeah, they friend you, and there they are with their husbands and boyfriends. And we had so many gay guys that we were friends with at the Southern Baptist College. Um, Yeah. And they all lived in the dorm together. Yeah. I just like thinking about how hilarious that is to their super strict fathers. I know. I know. All right, go to your Baptist university, son, and don't have sex. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Your roommate. That's right. Just have sex in your room. That's it. But we're, you know, we're so excited to start this podcast and be idiots. So if you're like, oh my gosh, I have so many stupid, idiotic, ridiculous stories, but I'm embarrassed. Hopefully we've laid the bar pretty low and you know that (laughs) we'll we'll take that hit for you. Um, But we would love to hear and read on air, although this isn't live because it's a podcast. Read on air. On air. That's good though. Yeah. Read on sure. cast your stories mm-hmm. of just funny, quirky, weird things that happen to you because, you know, we don't want you to tell too much on other people like, oh, 
listen to this embarrassing, terrible thing that happened to. Yeah. We want to hear it about you and it be true and it be five minutes of reading and we'd love to share it on the air and all of us form our own community. That's kind of the goal. Tell us, how can people find us? Well, we have a website. It's called deconversiontherapypodcast.com. We just got it. Yep, you can go there. You can go there. And that'll also show you where to find us on Instagram and Twitter. It is, it's phenomenal to me once that we've started this, the stuff that you have come up with to just share just articles and resources. Uh, Unbelievable. I never knew all this stuff was out there. Yeah. And I'll share that on our website. um, Because it can be a very painful time if you're losing your religion and your faith and your community. And there are some more serious issues um, going on there that I can put on our website some resources that people can go to. Um, We are not that resource. We are not a resource in general. We're just here to make you feel like you're not alone. Yep, that's kind of it. Thanks for listening to our first podcast. Please hit subscribe because we'd love for more people to hear about this and with you subscribing that sort of moves us up on that uh totem pole because i hear that i think there's in the podcast world there's like five or six podcasts in existence today anyway we'd like to you know be one of the top, one of five one of those <laughs> six podcasts but so that we can just be there as support and an extra little um help to people who are going through things or just want to laugh. Yeah. I find once you share stuff like this, it in your brain, it becomes way less tragic and serious. Thanks for listening to our first fucking episode. <laughs> I'm praying for you with that mouth, eh. that language. I know. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Bye. Bye.